All right, so for those of you that don't know me, my name is Haley. (laughs) (laughs) So if you didn't know, I'm one of the five Chi Alpha interns, and yes, there are five of us. I know it's hard to remember sometimes. Um, But so some of you don't know me and some of you do. So I just thought I'd introduce myself a little bit. Um, if you don't, if you guys didn't know, I'm engaged to Jason Gallatly. <laughs> so many. <laughs> yeah, I think he's pretty cute. So. <laughs> oh goodness. <laughs> oh dear. Um. So okay, calm down, guys. It's not that exciting. <laughs> Bring it in, bring it in. So I'm also a central alumni. So I graduated last year with a degree in chemistry. And so I think it's really kind of cool that we're in the science building when I'm preaching. It's like, yeah. Yeah. It's almost like coming home, you know. Yeah, it's cool. So yeah, that means I love Jesus, but I also love science. And it's really cool. So yeah. So I'm originally from a little town called Stanwood. So it's between Seattle and Bellingham, like right there in the middle. And a couple of years ago, I would tell people that, and they wouldn't know where the heck Stanwood was. But now we have winter camp in Stanwood. So everybody should know. Or at least those of you that went to winter camp should know. So, yeah. It's really nice for me, because then I don't have to explain it. Um, So can I tell you guys a little bit about my family? Cool. Cool. So I come from a family of five. So there should be a picture, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll explain it later, Silas. Wait. <laughs> so there's my mom, Kathy, and my dad, Jack, and then my little brother, Tyler, who's not so little anymore, sadly, but he's still younger than me, so still counts. And then there's my sister, Bree. And so Bree, that's why Silas was like, wait, you're related? We're not biologically related. Okay, guys, she's unofficially adopted into my family. And we all call her, like, my sister. Like, my parents call her, her, her their daughter. So it's like, it's a chill thing. So <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> so, yeah. So I don't know about you guys, but I really love spending time with my family. And my favorite time to spend time with my family is during Christmas because it's just a longer time. You know, you get to eat good food and watch movies and just chill, and then you get some presents, and that's kind of nice. So, yeah. So does anybody else like Christmas? Yeah. Anyone else like getting presents? (laughs) Wow, that's quieter. That's that's surprising. Um, Can I tell you guys a story about one Christmas that I had in high school? Cool. Awesome. So we have to start a little bit before Christmas because, you know, when you ask for something for Christmas, you don't, like, ask, like, beginning of December. You start, like, middle of October, like, early November. So, like, this year, I was, like, in my second year of high school, and it was around November, and I really wanted a laptop. Now, this is, like, back in, like, 2010, 2011 days where, like, it wasn't common for people to have laptops. And I know that's, like, a little weird thing like everybody's like oh we have smartphones and laptops now this is so weird that nobody had a laptop but yeah it was kind of like the cool thing in high school to have a laptop and so I was like I want to be a cool kid I want a laptop and so in November I started asking my parents for a laptop and I like asked it several times you know dropping those little hints like hey can I have a laptop and even gave them like a great deal 
I told them if, I got, if they got me a laptop, they wouldn't have to give me anything else, anything else that year. I even said that they didn't have to get me birthday presents. <laughs> this was a good deal. Yeah, yeah. So, like, in my family, we kids get a little spoiled. So, for example, I've previously gotten a kayak for Christmas. So, yeah, I was kind of, like, expecting just a little bit to get a laptop. You know, I was, like, hoping deep in my heart that I was like, oh, they got me this thing. Maybe I'll get me this thing, you know? And so I was, like, kind of a little bit certain that I was going to get a laptop. might have been bad, but that's okay. Um, so on Christmas morning, I was so excited that I got it before everyone else. I had dropped so many hints between November and December that I was certain a laptop was under that tree. I was so ready. But when we opened the presents, like, one after another, it just wasn't a laptop. And I was just like, so sad. I was like, no. I asked for this, and you didn't give it to me. And I was so devastated because um, it was the only thing I'd asked for. Now, Bree probably remembers this Christmas. She's snickering, yes. <laughs> she was probably so frustrated with me because I would go on and on complaining after Christmas about how I didn't get this laptop, and it was the only thing I could talk about. And she was probably just like, girl, you got so many other presents. Why are you complaining about not getting this laptop? And so, yeah, but yeah, that was kind of a sad time. But that's okay. I'm okay now. <laughs> yeah, so have you guys ever hoped for something like this? Have you ever felt that expectation that, like, you know something's going to happen? That certainty mixed with uncertainty? Yeah. I'm sure you have. We all have things we hope for and expectations that we have. Have you ever been let down by your hopes and expectations? Have there been times when your hopes and expectations have been fulfilled? I'm sure we all have stories like this. And in the passage that we're going to look at tonight, we will see some examples of disappointment but also of renewed hope. So, as we know, 1 Thessalonians is a letter from Paul to the church. And we know from previous messages that Paul deeply cares about the Thessalonian believers. He really loves them. And we know that the believers were very young in their faith. They were just baby Christians, and they needed some instruction and some guidance. So tonight, we're going to be looking at 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. Would you guys please turn there with me? Everybody there? No. <laughs> Probably shouldn't have asked, but that's okay. <laughs> All right, everybody ready now? Okay, good. All right, so let's read. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind, who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds, to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Now let's dissect these verses a little bit. What's going on in the Thessalonian church? 
we learn from this passage that some of the new believers had died. We don't know if it was from persecution or old age or disease. They might have gotten ran over by an ox cart in the city streets. (laughs) We don't know. (laughs) A whole bunch of things could have happened. When someone we know dies, it's very upsetting. The Thessalonians were probably very distraught at the death of their fellow believers. And apparently, they were more distraught than Paul thought they should be. Why were the believers grieving so deeply? The believers were only baby Christians. They didn't know any better. They they were still learning that being a Christ follower meant. They were still stuck in their old ways of thinking. Sometimes I think we can get stuck in those old ways of thinking too. And what were those old ways of thinking? Like other non-believers of their day, they believed that the end was the end. So when you died, there was no life after death. Your soul just like disappeared, I guess. The body rotted in the grave, and they had no hope of seeing their friends again. Part of the Roman culture was to write epitaphs over the tombs of the dead. I know we kind of do that today, right, with like tombstones and stuff. But it wasn't like happy stuff like they were loved or like mother of whoever, you know, that kind of thing. We know where they're going. These epitaphs were like really depressing. (laughs) It was kind of sad. They usually expressed that the person had exist, but existed no more. So like, I go back to the dust and like my soul dissipates into the universe, that kind of weird stuff. Um, And this is the culture in which the believers lived in. They had no hope and therefore no expectation of their friends living on. And because they were baby Christians, they were forgetful. They didn't remember what Paul had told them when he preached the gospel. And what did Paul tell them? He told them about the certainty of Christ's resurrection and about the certainty of their own resurrection through him. He reminds them of this in verse 14. Paul tells them, For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. They knew this stuff, or at least they should have. Nonetheless, when confronted with the reality of the death of their family members and friends, they didn't remember this hope that Paul had told them about. The hope that they have in Jesus. They fell into old beliefs and despair, In that kind of a situation, don't you think that they might have needed a reminder? I think I would. In their grief, Paul tells the believers exactly what they need to hear. Their friends and family that have died will be with Jesus. Isn't that a great hope? I'm sure they were so excited. Have you ever grieved for someone? I can kind of imagine how the believers were feeling. Wouldn't this have been horrible? How many people have you known that have died? For many of us, it's probably not that many. We're kind of young, so death isn't really a thing for us right now. And I myself have only known like three people that have died, and that's only in like the first last four years. So out of these people that I have known that have died, only one of them wasn't a believer, and that one was my grandpa. He died from prostate cancer a couple of years ago, and he died peacefully, but it was really hard for me and my family and especially for my dad. Um, I remember asking my dad a while after my grandpa had passed if he believed in Jesus. Um, And with a tear in his eye, my dad said that he didn't think his dad was a believer. This was so hard for my dad and for the rest of my family. 
we don't we know that we won't see my grandma or my grandpa in heaven this is a hard truth isn't it I think that the way my family feels about my grandpa is the same way that the believers in Thessalonica were feeling. Because of their previous pagan beliefs, they thought that they would never see their friends again. Thankfully, the other people that I have known that have died have a faith in Jesus. I know where they are. Both of them are in heaven, waiting with Jesus to come back with him. The hope that I have, that my friends are with Jesus, is the same hope that Paul is communicating to the Thessalonian believers. It's the same hope that we have in Jesus today. Paul had taught the Thessalonians while he was with them about Jesus' resurrection. Paul had taught them that there was hope in this, that because Jesus had been raised to life, they would too. Do you immediately think of this when you remember the resurrection? Or do you simply think about the fact that you are saved? We need to have a hope in we need to have hope in Jesus' resurrection a deeper hope than just our salvation. We need to know that we will not only be with Jesus when we die, but that we will also be resurrected like he was. But because we have this hope, we should not forget about those who don't share in it. People all around the world will die today without the hope of the resurrection. Just like my grandpa, they won't be resurrected and come back with Jesus. Think about your friends and family. Who do you know that doesn't have this hope? Do you understand the gravity of this? Do you care that they won't be resurrected? That you might never see them again? Well, I have some good news. I know that was a little depressing. Let's lighten it up a little bit. The good news is that whoever you are thinking of, whoever doesn't have their hope in Jesus, there's someone who can tell them about this hope, and that's you. You can. God placed you in their life to share the hope that you have, and how can we not share this hope with others? This hope is not just for us, though, when we die. We who are still alive also have hope. So let's look back at verses 15 through 18 again. Please read with me. According to the Lord's word, We tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Now, why didn't Paul just tell the Thessalonians that their brothers who had died were in heaven? Wouldn't that have sufficed? Well, the new believers, their hope wasn't in heaven. Their hope was in the resurrection. They were really expectant of that. They were a lot more concerned about the return of Christ than they were about going to heaven. They were worried that their brothers who had died wouldn't get to participate in Christ's return. And they were really sad about that. Do you guys remember what I told you earlier about my hope of getting a laptop? (laughs) Remember how before my hopes were dashed, I had an expectation that I was going to get a laptop? Now, like the Thessalonians' expectation was a little different, but I think it's somehow similar to how they felt about Christ's return. 
Their hope was an expectation. They were eagerly expecting Christ to come back. And they were really sad when they didn't, or when their friends died. So Paul reinforces their expectation in his letter, and he also gives them real hope that their friends will be okay. And he says this in verse, and he says it in verse 15 through 18. He reassures them that God will bring back with Jesus those who believed in him. So their friends are going to come back. And not only that, those who have died will precede those who are alive. So they're going to be first, which is probably pretty cool for the Thessalonians. They're like, yeah, my friends are coming first. Paul also uses a lot of extravagant imagery to describe what it will be like when Christ comes back. What do you guys think it's going to be like? How do you picture it? I feel like I always have a hard time picturing Christ's return because it's a little bit of an abstract thought, you know, concept in your brain. Like, what is that going to be like? So let's see if we can create a better picture of what Christ's return will be like from verses 15 through 17 so we can more have a more solid basis for our hope. So we first learn from verse 15 that the dead in Christ will rise first. I'm pretty sure there's going to be a lot of dead people because... Uh, as you know, since the beginning of time, people have been dying. So <laughs> it's going to be a lot. It's going to be interesting. So this is going to be, like, awesome because you're going to be like, oh, yeah, that's my grandma who died, like, you know, five years ago. And then, oh, there's, like, you know, Luther, and that'll be weird, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or, like, Paul. We'll get to meet Paul. That'll be kind of cool. Um, so this also, like, will be really cool, but also it might be a bit frightening for those who don't know about it. So that'll be an interesting time. So then we move on to verse 16, where Paul tells us that Jesus will come down from heaven and the dead in Christ will be with him. I'm not really sure what this is going to look like, but I'm pretty sure there's going to be a lot of people in the sky and nobody's going to be able to miss that. <laughs> no. And while all of us that are going to be down here will probably be like, what? <laughs> but we'll know what's going on, so we won't be freaked out. So that's good. So when then we go on, and when Jesus comes down from heaven, there will also be a loud trumpet call and the voice of the archangel. So back in Paul's time, it was customary for there to be a trumpet call before a king enters a town. So I think this is what the trumpet call and the voice of the archangel, arch, archangel wow, that's a hard word, are supposed to signif signify. They are God's way of announcing that the king is returning. And it's also going to be probably pretty loud. So, but hopefully it won't hurt our ears, so that's good. <laughs> okay, so then after that, after all the dead people come and Jesus is up in the sky and there's loud noise, then Jesus is going to come down and all the horns are going to be blown, cheers are going to go up, and all of us who are still down here will be caught up to be in the air with Jesus forever. Now, that's going to be pretty scary for those of us who are afraid of heights. So, <laughs> yeah, just... I think I'm going to be the one, like, closing my eyes as we go up because I'm like, Ugh, but it'll be okay. It'll be okay. We just have to pray that it's not going to be raining so we don't get wet because that would be not fun. But we probably won't care because we'll be with Jesus, so it's fine. So, <laughs> um, so this thing is going to be huge. Well, everybody's going to know about it when Jesus comes back. So when I read these verses, I think of, like, a really big event. So the biggest event I can think of that I know about happens to be the parade that happened after the Seahawks won the Super Bowl. And this is my, like, best estimation of what it's kind of going to be like. 
Um, does anyone remember that? Yeah, yeah. I heard it was a big deal, apparently. So I didn't probably remember because I'm not a really big football fan, but sorry, guys. <laughs> so there were 700,000 people in Seattle, all decked out in their gear and cheering and screaming. I'm sure when the Seahawks rode by on the parade, you, could hear, you couldn't hear a thing because the crowd was just so loud. This was a huge event. Don't you think that the return of Christ will be so much bigger and more exciting than this? Yeah, I think so. It's going to be crazy. Millions will come out for Jesus' return. Probably more than millions, probably billions, several billions. But anyways, millions is more easily concepted. So, And then it'll be like just not just the dead, but also the living. And it'll be so loud. God himself will give a glorious loud command to announce Jesus' coming. And you should really see God's sound system. It's huge. Yeah. I'm pretty sure the earth's going to shake. It's probably going to be interesting, but it'll be cool. Wouldn't you want to be a part of this parade? Wouldn't you want your friends to be a part of this? This is also just the beginning, though. This is only the start of Jesus' rule. Way to come in with a bang, huh? Yeah, it's good. He's classy. It's the beginning parade, his grand procession. After this, it only gets better. Jesus will vanquish evil and death, and the whole world will be made new. And then we'll get to party with Jesus forever. Doesn't this sound great? Yeah. So, in conclusion, we learn today that as Christians, we have a greater hope. We have hope in Christ and his death and resurrection. We have hope that he will return. We have hope that those who have died will be raised again. And we have hope that we will all be with Jesus forever. I think this is like my favorite part, the part where like we are all we will all be with Jesus forever. Because like who wouldn't want to be with Jesus forever? And it's not just like those of us who are alive, it's those of us who are dead, which is really cool. And we will be resurrected and given new bodies, which I think will also be really cool because Jesus could teleport. We didn't know. Read it. Read the Gospels. <laughs> and this is why we can have hope. Not just the teleporting, but other stuff. <laughs> and it's not like a lame hope, like my hope of getting a laptop. There is certainty behind our hope. We know that Jesus will, will return in his glory and get us. Now to close up our time tonight, I have some application questions for you. So the first one is, do you understand the hope that we have in Jesus' death and resurrection? Do you understand what it means? The fullness of it. Not just that you're saved, but that you will be resurrected like he is. The second one is, who do you know that doesn't have this hope? And what are you going to do about it? Think and pray about how you can share the hope that you have with those who don't. Because they need to know Jesus too. The third question is, how clearly defined is your hope in the return of Christ and your own resurrection? Do you have a hopeful expectation for his return? Or you may be praying that he'll wait a little bit so you can, like, you know, beat that high score on your game or pass that test or for some of us it might be getting married, you know. I'd pick Jesus over marriage, just saying. <laughs> Sorry, Jason. <laughs> 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 
So um, as we close up our time tonight, can I have the worship team come up? And also, I just really emphasize that you guys think and pray over these questions during worship and really reflect on what I said and what God said through his word. Um, so I'm going to pray to close us tonight. Father, I just thank you for the time that we got to spend in your word, for the hope that you give through Christ and his death and resurrection. Thank you that we have a certainty that Jesus will come back for us and that it will be a glorious time and that all will be made new. Father, I just thank you for um, this expectation that you've given us, this hope that you've given us that we can rest in. And I just pray that as our week goes on that we would continue to rest in it um, and really let it sink into us and become real to us. So thank you, Father. And help us to really have a good night of worship with you tonight. In your name we pray. Amen.